0: One hot summer day, a guy was walking by a car when he saw a woman holding the back of her head. He asked her if she was okay, and she told him, I've been shot in the head and I'm holding my brains in. How would you feel at this point if you were the person walking by? How would you feel if you were the woman shot in the back of the head? Now, according to the story, the woman was sitting in her car on a hot summer day when she heard a loud bang, and felt a sharp pain in the back of her head. Upon further examination, it wasn't her brain she was holding in, but biscuit dough. A Pillsbury biscuit can had exploded in the back seat, apparently from the heat, making a loud explosion, shooting the dough into the back of the woman's head. Now, my first thought when I read that, this summer, I'm totally doing a science experiment to see if biscuit cans really explode. That will be an awesome day if that's the way it really works. But my second thought is that there are really people that that attitude, this reflects their attitude on a daily basis. Right? People that, that always expect the worst. People that are always afraid. Like if you're familiar with Winnie the Pooh, these people are often a, a combination of, Eeyore and Piglet. Right now, Piglet describes himself as small and frightfully fearful. So he is always afraid. Eor is a gloomy gust that sees the cloud behind every silver lining. And when you put them together, you find a person that is perpetually sad, constantly afraid of all the things that might happen. Sadly, this is the way that many Christians live their lives. Now, fear is... Probably the most common issue that people deal with, it has been said that there are three hundred and sixty five commands in scripture telling us not to be afraid. Now, I have not counted this to confirm it, but if it's true, it means that there is an exhortation from God for every day of the year telling us not to be afraid and not to let fear consume us. Scripture teaches that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Because of this, I can confidently say that fear, living in fear, is never a part of God's plan for our life. God never intends for His children to live and be frightfully fearful throughout their lives. Living in a constant state of fear is a miserable existence. A book I'm reading right now says that, Two words that are associated with fear in the New Testament. They carry with it the idea of choking or strangling. And the conclusion he draws is that when we are controlled by fear, it's like we're being choked out or we're being strangled by something we cannot control. I think you could also say that when we're controlled by fear, that it chokes and strangles out the love and the life and the joy out of our lives. I think it's easy disturbingly easy to let fear control us and overcome us if we aren't careful. How do we keep fear from being a controlling factor in our lives? It's part of what we're going to talk about today. Open your Bible to Psalm 23 should be on page four hundred and twenty three. If you have a pew Bible, when you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's word. I'm going to read the entire psalm and then come back to the part we're going to focus on today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. title of the message this morning is I will fear no evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. You are. You are more amazing than words can describe. You are more awesome than our minds can comprehend. You are so good that we. We cannot fathom the level of goodness that you, that you have, that you bestow, and that you show upon the world. Your love for sinful, rebellious mankind is amazing. Your willingness to come down and to work on our behalf. Father, it is just a, a tremendous thought. To know that the great, the holy, and the awesome God of the Bible, He cares about our lives. And He cares about our cares and He cares about our fears. That He has chosen to walk with us, to guide us, and to help us all throughout our life. Father, we want all of our lives to bring glory and honor to Your name. We want all that we say and all that we do and all that we are to testify of the fact that you have changed us. That you are at work in us and that Jesus is Lord over us. We live in a world that is often fearful. And it is easily to feel small and frightfully fearful by all that's going on. This is not how you intend for your people to live. So today, as we study your word, open our hearts to understand it. Help us to let your word sink deep into our hearts, that it would bring forth change into our lives, that we would live confidently in this world, knowing that you are with us, that you care about us, that you go before us. Father, fill me today with your Holy Spirit. And give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, that I could speak your word in your ways for your glory. Father, help us to respond in ways that demonstrate our desire to be your sheep, to be your people, wholly devoted to doing your will. Be glorified in all that happens. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, for you alone deserve it. We ask all of this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. In the center verse of the psalm, David makes some changes. First, he changes pronouns from he to you. At this point, David goes from talking about the Good Shepherd to talking to the Good Shepherd. Secondly, he switches from the shepherd's provision to the shepherd's protection. And part of what we see is that following the good shepherd, it's not always green pastures and still waters. Just as there are times when we are on the mountaintop following our shepherd, there are going to be times where we go through the valley still following our shepherd. One of the the unique problems that you find in the valley is the problem of fear. But David was not paralyzed by fear as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And what kept David from letting fear control him was the fact that he knew his God was with him. And as we walk through the dark valleys of life, we have the same promise that David had that should give us the same comfort that it gave to David. Right? I need not fear because Jesus is near. But our good shepherd is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And that gives us hope and that gives us confidence as we go through the times that are dark and scary. And there are three truths from verse four that I believe will help us and keep us from being overcome by fear as we go through the dark valleys of life. First, we all walk through dark valleys We all walk through dark valleys. When a shepherd leads his sheep from one place to another, he often and usually had to lead them down into the deep valleys. These valleys would be especially dark at night. There were many dangers in the valleys that weren't on the tops of the mountains. There were dangers from cliffs as they went down into the valley. There was the added danger of wild animals and bandits down in the valley. Many times the only thing that stood between the sheep and certain death was the shepherd with his rod and his staff. The sheep would be safe so long as they followed their shepherd and they stayed close to their shepherd. With him, there was safety. With him, there was protection. With him, all would be all right. But apart from the shepherd, they would be needlessly exposed to danger. Apart from the shepherd, they would likely be caught and destroyed. Apart from the shepherd, they would stray and be lost in the darkness of the valley. Now, David is not likely thinking about The actual time of death with the valley of the shadow of death. Instead, it seems that more likely he is thinking about the hard times of life. The times of life when there's more darkness than light. The times of life when there's more sorrow than joy. The times of life when there's more troubles than peace. The times of life when there's more enemies than friends. The times of life when there is more chaos than serenity. The times of life where it feels like everything is all out of our control. And we are, we are tempted to be afraid. We are almost overcome by what is going on. And these dark and dreary, scary and confusing moments of life is most likely what David is referring to in this verse. And it's important to notice that David said that he, he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And he does this as he follows the shepherd. Going through the dark valley is not a matter of leaving the shepherd behind and going the own, our own way. As David followed his shepherd, he had to go through the dark valley. The reality is, some valleys just have to be gone through. To get to where God needs us to be, at times, we will have to go through the dark valleys of life. Now, one of the things I really like about this, is that David wasn't just theorizing about the fact that God's presence should give us comfort. David wasn't a guy that lived in an ivory tower and his life was peaceful and perfect. And he looked down upon the masses and he said, do this and live this way. David had lived in the trenches. David had gone through the dark valleys. David had spent years With the king of Israel chasing after him, trying to kill him. What kept him going in those times? What kept him from being overwhelmed? It was a time when his God was there. David's sons had rebelled against him and tried to kill him. What kept him going in these hard times of life? It was the fact that his shepherd was there. David had gone through the hard valleys. David had gone through these dark times. And David had made it through because his shepherd had never left his side. Now, it may sound strange to start a message that is meant to be encouraging by saying we're all going to go through dark valleys. But if you think about it, it is encouraging. This is encouraging for those who may be going through a dark valley at this moment. Because when we go through the dark valley, part of what happens is we begin to wonder what's wrong with me. If I'm doing everything that God wants me to do, and if I'm following Him to the best of my abilities, why has this happened? We begin to wonder if our shepherd has left us. We begin to wonder if we're not good enough. We begin to wonder, does He really care? But when we know that everyone goes through this, that walking in the paths of righteousness is no guarantee of not walking through the dark valleys of death, That is an encouraging thing because when they happen, we can say, no, there's not anything wrong with me. No, my shepherd hasn't abandoned me. This is just something that I have to go through in life. We all go through this times. God has brought me through it before. He will bring me through it again. The same shepherd who leads us to lie down by green pastures and still waters is the exact same shepherd who leads us through. The dark valleys of death. Some valleys, they just have to be walked through. To get to where God wants us to be, to be what God wants us to be. It often requires us to go down into the valley, into the darkness. Listening to and following our shepherd. Trusting that he will see us through to the other side. Secondly, Jesus is always with me. During these times when David walks through the the dark valleys, he was not afraid. And that's a pretty big statement, because David's valleys were sometimes fairly significant. And one thing I, I tend to point out when I talk about this passage is why David wasn't afraid. Because we're familiar with David as the guy who fought Goliath. David was a mighty warrior and he had mighty men who served him. And it would be easy enough for us to say David didn't fear because David was the toughest Muldoon in the valley. I mean, if you can take down a giant with a slingshot, probably you're not much afraid of anything else that can come up. But that's not what David says. David didn't say he did not fear because he was the the baddest dude around. David wasn't afraid because his God was with him. David's confidence during the valleys, it wasn't in his skill. It wasn't in his strength. It wasn't in his power. It really wasn't in anything about David at all. David's entire confidence was built upon the fact that his God was with him. David had walked through the valleys before and his God was there. David was walking through valleys now and his God was there. David was confident that if he walked through valleys in the future, his God would be there. And because his God was there, he did not have to be afraid. He did not have to let that fear control him and keep him from moving on in the ways that he needed to go. This is good news. I'm fairly convinced that we can endure anything that this world throws at us so long as we know that our God is with us. And what this passage teaches us is that the good shepherd, Jesus, he's not a a fair weather friend. Have you ever had a fair weather friend? Someone that you could depend on in the good times, but dropped you like a hot potato in the bad times. I had a, a friend like this in Germany when I was stationed in Germany, we... We had a, a squad leader and he had a, a little car, an East German car called a Trabi. And when I say Troby was a little car, I mean, it was basically a go-kart with a, a shell. And one day, my friend Simpson came to me and another guy, Robertson, and he said, we're going to be here all night. Let's have some fun. Let's move Sergeant Stubblefield's Trabi to the sidewalk. That sounded like a great idea to me. So. Three of us, we picked up this little car and we moved it off the street onto the sidewalk. And then we went in to do our training. In a few minutes, the door burst open. And the angriest person I had ever seen in my life was standing in the door. His eyes were bulging and bloodshot. His fists were clenched. Slobber was spewing out of his mouth. And he screamed with a voice that made children cry for miles Who touched the Trabi? And of course, at that moment, we all went. And oh man, he ranted and he yelled and he cussed and he yelled some more. And then he threatened to take every one of us outside and just smoke us. If we did not own up to who had done it. So rather than let everybody else take our our punishment, me and Robertson, we raised our hands and we stepped forward. And he said, was there anybody else? And Robertson, we both, we looked at Simpson. And I kid you not, it was like a a cartoon. He went... Man, he looked down. He didn't say a word. It was his idea. We did what he wanted to do. And when it came time to face the consequences, he was nowhere to be found. He watched as we held sandbags over our head and ran from right field to left field, back to right field again. He watched as we had to roll in the dirt and do all of those things. He watched... And he never said a word about it. He never apologized for leaving us out. He never did anything. But but we never trusted him again either. I mean, if he said, let's do this, we were like, you go for it. We're going to go stand back here. He was a fair weather friend. He wanted to do something that sounded fun and was fun. But when the negative consequences came, he he turned and he ran away. What David is teaching us here is that Jesus is not like this. That Jesus is as with us in the good times as he is in the bad times. That it doesn't change one way or another. Jesus confirmed this in the New Testament. He said that I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he was not the shepherd, the one who does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and it scatters them. And the hireling flees because he's a hireling. He does not care about the sheep. The hireling is your fair weather friend. He wants the job and he wants the benefits, whatever that may be. But when it gets difficult, he runs away. See, being a shepherd was a difficult and a dangerous job. Because there were bandits who came and stole the sheep. There were animals who came to try to feed off of the sheep. And Jesus makes a a stark contrast between one who, who cared for the sheep and one who was just hired to be there. He said that the hireling, that when things get hard, the hireling, he turns and he runs away and he abandons the sheep so they can be scattered and they can be eaten and they can be destroyed. But the good shepherd, the good shepherd does not do that. Jesus is our good shepherd. And when we have to go down into the dark valleys of life, our good shepherd, he will be there. But right? he is not going to turn and he is not going to run away. He is not going to abandon us. Jesus is not the fair weather friend. He is not the hireling. He cares for the sheep. He gives himself for the sheep. And he is there for us in good times and in bad. So we've got to know that. You have to be convinced of this because the times in the valley, they are going to come. I mean, when you look at this passage, notice the progression. The Lord is my shepherd, right? the Lord is my shepherd that provides for my needs. And this shepherd, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I I walk. And the indication there is not that as I if I have to walk through there, not if if the time comes and it happens, but the indication is that it will come. Listen, friend, you will walk through the dark valleys of life. You will. And if right now you're not walking through that, you had better settle in your mind right now that it will come. You have to be prepared for the reality, but you also have to know that your shepherd will be there. Because, man, if you, you embrace a mindset that says that if you just walk in the paths of righteousness, you'll never go through the dark valley. Then when that darkness hits around you and the enemies rise up and the despair threatens to overtake you, you will be lost. You will not know what to do. You will not know how to handle it. And so you'd better settle in your mind, one, it is going to happen. But you'd better settle in your mind, two, that he is always, he's always there. At the start of the service, I read Mark chapter six. And the reason I read Mark six because Jesus, he sends the disciples away. He sent them into the storm. It didn't come up and Jesus was like, oh no, a storm. No, he sent them knowing that the storm would come. But not only that, the Bible says that while they were out there, the winds were contrary to them and they were rowing for their very lives. It says that Jesus saw them. And that's good stuff. They couldn't see him, but he could see them. His eyes were always on them. Sometimes in the darkness, you can't see the shepherd. But just because we can't see him doesn't mean he can't see us. Just because we don't see what he's doing doesn't mean he's not there. And you have to settle in your mind, no matter what circumstances of my life, they do not guarantee whether or not my Savior is there. He is always there. He has given his life for my salvation. He will not abandon me when things get hard. My shepherd is there with me in the good times and in the bad. The shepherd that leads me to the green pastures and the still waters will lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. If I just stay close to him. If I listen for his voice, if I continually follow him, at some point I will come back up out on the side of the mountain because he is always there. Trust, trust above all else. That your savior, your shepherd will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never abandon you. He will always be there with you. And then thirdly, Jesus is always for me. David says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, growing up, I heard a lot of stories about the rod and the staff of the shepherd that he used to to discipline the sheep that strayed from the flock. Let me share with you how one of these illustrations goes. A foreigner traveling in Israel became acquainted with a shepherd. Each morning he noticed the shepherd taking food to a sheep that had broken that had a broken leg as he looked at the animal he asked the shepherd how did the sheep break its leg did it meet with an accident fall into a hole some animal break its leg no said the shepherd i broke the sheep's leg myself you broke it yourself asked the surprised traveler yes see this is a wayward sheep it would not stay with the flock but would lead the sheep astray. Then it wouldn't let me near it, so I had to break the sheep's leg so that it would allow me day by day to feed it. In doing this, it will get to know me as its shepherd, trust me as its guide, and keep me with the flock. Or keep with the flock. Now, the point of the story usually is that this is a picture of what Jesus will do to us when we stray. I don't know about you. The picture of Jesus with a stick gonna break my leg when I stray. That doesn't bring me all kinds of comfort in life. As a kid in children's church, that's one of the most terrifying thoughts I ever had in my whole life. Because, you know, we sing a song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Wander and Jesus is gonna break my leg. I mean, there's not a there's nothing good or happy about that at all. And so I, I was that was just a horrifying concept to me as a child. And 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 that's what I thought, man, that, I mean, this psalm is such a psalm of, of hope and encouragement and goodness. Surely the point of the rod and the staff giving comfort is not that if I wander too far, Jesus is going to grab me and break my little leg and make me stay beside him. So I studied and I began to find out that while the rod and staff were often used for correction, it wasn't in the break leg sort of way. If a sheep was wandering off, they might use the rod to pull them back onto the right track. If a sheep fell off, they might use the hook to pick them up and to pull them back up. All of this was done in care and love. But I don't even think that really is the picture that David is trying to get across to us of what the good shepherd does with his rod and his staff. I mean, the good shepherd obviously corrects us when we stray and he brings us back onto the right path. And that is a very comforting thought. But I think the better picture of the rod and the staff is to understand that really a rod and the staff, they were weapons. They were they were defensive and offensive weapons that the shepherd had to protect the sheep. Remember that David, of course, was a shepherd himself. And later in his life, he gave this testimony about being a shepherd. David said to Saul, your Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it, and I struck it, and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. See, David knew what it was to have a sheep stray. He knew what it was to have a predator take the sheep. As a good shepherd himself, David did not abandon the sheep when they strayed. He went after them. As a good shepherd, when the predator took the sheep, David did not abandon the sheep. He went after it. But notice what he did to the predator. He he struck it. What do you imagine David struck the predator with? With his rod or with his staff? See, the picture of the rod and the staff isn't that of Jesus having a weapon to beat us into submission. It is a picture of Jesus having a weapon that he protects us when the enemy comes against us. To really wrap your mind around this, imagine, imagine we are a flock of sheep. As we are sitting in the valley late at night, we hear the familiar sound of a wolf growling. Terrifying sound to a sheep, I would imagine. And as the wolf growls and begins to walk toward us, the hireling is working with the shepherd. He he drops his stuff and he runs away as fast as he can. And the wolf begins to move faster and faster to to scatter the sheep, to destroy the sheep. And just before it seems that the wolf is about to get to us, to destroy us. Suddenly our shepherd stands between us and the wolf with his rod and his staff and with deadly precision and absolute commitment he fights the wolves to the best of his abilities. He fights them off until the survivors flee. And then the shepherd stands and he makes sure we're okay. And he checks on us one at a time. And then he goes back to doing his guard and what he had always done. To care for us, to protect us, to ensure we got to the place he needed us to go. That is far more the picture of the shepherd with his rod and his staff than anything else. In in John 10, where Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, he, he connects it to being the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. That fights on our behalf, protects us. To the very best of his abilities. What this means for you and I on a practical level is in the valley. Even if we can't see the shepherd, he's there. He is for us. He is doing things often behind the scenes to protect us. I think many times when bad things happen, we would be good if God could peel back and show all the stuff he was doing that we couldn't see. Our, our shepherd... Listen, if you're a child of God, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus is always for you. Always. He is our advocate with the Father. He is the yes and the amen to all of God's promises. He ensures that God is for us, so it doesn't matter who is against us. As you go through these times... You can go through without fear because your shepherd, not only is he there, but he is for you and not against you. He is working, whether you can see it or not, is defending you against untold and unknown amounts of spiritual things that could be happening. His rod and his staff, they give us comfort because he will use them to fight off the enemies of our soul. He will use them to protect us, to keep us, and to ensure that we can get to where he needs us to be so that we can be who he wants us to be. Turn back just a few pages to Psalm 18. And look at verse 6. David says, in my distress... Well, verse four, look at verse four. The pangs of death surrounded me. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of shields surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. Now, that sounds like a valley of the shadow of death kind of moment, doesn't it? Felt like he was going to die. The floods of ungodliness that made him afraid. It was almost like he had enemies. That just were. In a flood that were overwhelming him. He felt like he was not going to make it. Everywhere he looked. All he saw was the fact that he was not going to survive this problem. So what did he do? In my distress I called upon the Lord. And cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him. Even to his ears. Now. That's a great thought. David cried out in that time of distress. And God heard. And typically we we tend to stop here. He prayed and God heard him. But David's testimony about this time doesn't stop here. Look at what he goes on to say. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundation of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. God. Smoke went up from his nostrils and a devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down. With darkness under his feet, and he rode upon a cherub, and he flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters, and thick clouds in the skies from the brightness before him. His thick clouds passed with hailstones of coal and fire. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire, he sent out his arrows and scattered the foe lightnings in in abundance, and he vanquished them. The channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from above and he took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me on the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. And what I like about this is in David's distress, he cried out to God. God didn't say, man, that's bad. I hope it gets better for you. Toughen up, bud. it'll it'll end soon enough. It's not what he did. God in this picture, David doesn't even picture God sending angels to come and fight for him. What David pictures is God himself coming to his defense. David pictures God coming down and and protecting him and delivering him and setting him on a broad place and and doing all that he needed to do to bring David out to the place where he was safe. And, And I like the last of verse 19, and he did it because he delighted in me. Dear believer in Jesus Christ, God delights in you today as much as he delighted in David then. And the God that meant to David to deliver him will come to you to deliver you. The dark valleys will come. There's no getting around it. No matter how devoted we are, how closely we follow, at some point we'll have to walk through there. But in those times, our God is with us. And our God will protect us. And our God is for us. The overall picture that we find all throughout scripture is not of a savior who gets to the edge of the hard times and says, go through it and I'll meet you on the other side. Jesus calls and he says, follow me. And then he leads us down into the valley and he leads us up to the other side. We follow him. He always goes before us. He always is, on our, is working on our behalf. He is always there. And if we can truly believe that, if we can truly accept that what Scripture says is true, that He is always there, that He is always for us, then we will not be overcome by fear. We'll not always expect the worst. We'll not always be downtrodden and defeated by the things going on in our lives. It doesn't mean they won't be hard. And it doesn't mean they won't be difficult to deal with. But it does mean we'll get through it. It does mean we'll continue to follow Him. it does mean that we'll see Him bring us through to the other side. We need not fear anything that comes in our lives because Jesus our good shepherd is always near. He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He'll never abandon us. He'll never lead us to somewhere he can't lead us through. If we can hold tight to those promises, then when the dark valleys come, we may we may get beaten and battered a little bit, but we'll make it through. And will not be overcome by fear. We'll do what He wants us to do. We'll be who He wants us to be. And we'll go where He wants us to go. You do not have to live in fear if you are a child of God. For your good shepherd is always there. His rod and his staff should comfort you. Take courage today knowing the shepherd is with you. Let's all stand as our musicians come.